Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk accountant. Hello. Hi. And welcome to the podcast. This is the Two Drunk Accountants. My name is Dan. I'm Tim. And you might be wondering, hey guys, you guys sound a lot more sprightly this week. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Oh, we're so sprightly. So sprightly. It's a big week. It's a big week for us. Mm. Not only is it the Lodgeman Deadline Week, Dan. It is the Lodgeman Deadline Week. It's also Election Week. It's a big week for everybody. It's a big week for us and for everybody. Yes. Uh... That is actually our main topic today. We're going to be going through the major policies in regards to small businesses uh, from either side of the aisle. So we're going to be we're going to hearing about the main main topics. We're going to dive pretty quickly straight into it, um, but we do have a few things to go through first. I believe it's either side of the aisle, and then one way <laughs> way out of left <laughs> left field. I'd say out of right field. Right field. Mm. Maybe left, right, out field. <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> all things, all things going to plan. It's going to be fascinating, actually, um, to see. Obviously, we're talking about Clive Palmer, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens this weekend. I'm really keen to dive into his policies, um, <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. So, Tim, um, what, what is, is the, the Tim, Tim and Dan Excellent. <laughs> uh, Tim, how's your week? Good. Um, I went to Melbourne this week, Dan. Did you know? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, weren't you there as well? Now, were you there? I was there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's who I caught the plane with and drove to the airport with and <laughs> stayed <laughs> overnight with. Stayed. Went to a conference with. We, stayed, we slept in the same bed. <laughs> Don't tell the listeners, though. <laughs> Budgets are tight here on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, no, we did not stay in the same room, but we stayed in the same apartment. Mm. Uh, we, we rented one out there in the city for some training during the week. Yeah, no, it was cool getting down there. We, uh, we were down there for a training seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, I guess, yeah, trying to expand our advisory knowledge. Yeah, that's Something right. It's important for all accountants at the moment. Well, it's good to stay up to date with your knowledge and your ability and your skills. And this was just all part of that. It was awesome, actually. Big mm. day. Um, so, along with the election and the Lodgeman deadline this week, we had two days, days out of the office for training. <laughs> <laughs> we're cooked. We are cooked toast. We are cooked, Tim. We're, we're more cooked than your books. Yeah. So, um, no, that was, that was really good. A lot of takeaways from it. Mm. And um, McDonald's, mostly. You know, it's funny because you come away with all these ideas and you're so motivated but then we have to just come back and get work done. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we have no time, no time to uh, do any of the cool development stuff just yet. Just yet. Uh, Watch this space. Just though. because it was this time of year, I think. Shout uh, out to the Gap, though. They did uh, give us a little mention on Facebook. They shouted out to us. They did. So thank, thank you, the Gap. We appreciate mm. you guys just as much as you appreciate us. What about you, Dan? Um, well, I don't know if you know this, Tim, but I went to Melbourne this week. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. What was it like down there? Yeah, no, nah, it was all right. A little cold. Pints? No, yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't want to talk about pints. <laughs> um, so, in Melbourne, they don't you drink- You say pints weird. Pints. <laughs> with an accent. Is that- Were you putting on that accent? <laughs> or pint. No. Pint. I say pint. Listeners, Dan says a lot of things very weird, and I'm making a note of picking up on all of them at the moment. So Tim, don't tease my accent. Pints. Paint. Um, no, so they do have pints down in Melbourne instead of these schooners and middies that we're mm. used to. Pints and pots. Pints and pots. Pints and pots. Now, I actually like it. You like the pint? Yeah, here's, here's why. Because okay. a pint of cider is too much for my belly. <laughs> So, a pot, though, is just right. Oh, so you like pots. I like pots. Uh, I like pots. Okay. It's probably not the best value for money, a pot. Uh, I'm sure, though. I'm sure it's not. But, know, but I, I, do, cost. I, I do like it. Um, it's just about the right size if I'm drinking a cider. Mm. Now, if I was drinking, I don't know, some womanly drink like a, a beer, um, <laughs> then it might be different. But I don't like beer. <laughs> 
Oh, it dude. was it was strange. Ordering. You say this as you stroke your scarf around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> you. You're a piece of work, Dan. You're but, a real piece of work. <laughs> right. well, I'm not wearing a cravat or something, Tim. Like I'm, <laughs> my neckerchief. <laughs> you will be soon. <laughs> I just give it a matter of time. Uh, um, no, but yeah, no, it was interesting moving, um, not drinking a schooner and drinking a pint. Mm. Um, but I do like it because I like weird things. And mm. I feel like Melbourne have stuck to that just to be weird. Yeah. I did get to witness you... Um, breaking out with your, your food, just like, you know, eating a whole bar of uh, Kit Kat chocolates. And, and we uh, have that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Schnitties? Uh, I didn't have a schnitty. No, you had a Wagyu schnitty. beef burger? I had a Wagyu beef burger. You like a good pub pub grub? We were in a pub. Yeah. I know. I thought you're judging Don't me. Don't get defensive, Dan. I thought you're judging me. Well, I was. <laughs> for two I, days. I can't be trying to throw me under the bus for this Kit Kat. That <laughs> was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> you bought that it in was. the store. We went into that store, and that was your we choice. We were quite satiated. Yeah, we we wanted a little a little treat, little treat. So on our walk back to the hotel, we did duck into a quick uh, an IGA, and we said, "All right, let's, yeah, let's buy a treat." It's a good, good little store, actually. And it was your idea to get the Kit Kat. You did eat more than me though. because you had one one line of it left, <laughs> and you said, "I can't eat this. Do you want it?" What am I meant to say, Tim? You're all about wastage. I wasn't going to throw it out, was I? I was just making sure that you were the fat guy, not me. <laughs> no, I honestly couldn't eat that last bit. So, yeah. it's good, good times. Yeah, no, that, that was good. So, that's my Tim and Dan Lowe. We were there for the week. Uh, we're going to skip the business update this week. Yeah, we, the business update is, is the, the main topic, really. So. Yeah. So, we're going to skip the main, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, skip the business update. We're going to move straight on to something that I like to call and what many guests out there have written to us continually to call <laughs> the worst segment that we have. So, Tim... What's your tight-ass tip? My tight-ass tip of the week is delayed Easter chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I probably could have used this two weeks ago. I feel like this one is specifically targeted at me. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Why? Because I do not delay my Easter chocolate. (laughs) I devour my Easter chocolate. Walked right into that one. Or or is this purchasing it later? What is it? It is. It's purchasing it late. Yeah, okay. So I also don't do that. Obviously, if you're buying chocolate before Easter, it's full priced. Yeah. Possibly even more expensive. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely right. Raise the prices, I think. Now, I saw something interesting on Facebook. And it was that the Greeks celebrate Easter a week later. A week later. Than we do. Yeah. How smart is that? Mm-hmm. Taking advantage of all those sweet post-Easter discounts mm-hmm. when those, there's eggs there. They just need to get rid of them. They know what they're doing, the Greeks. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Hot cross buns. Buddy, smash them after Easter. Mm-hmm. Come right down in price, probably. Yeah. I, I like to buy my Easter eggs at Audi because yeah. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but a lot of home brand chocolate is not nice. It doesn't. No, it doesn't yeah. live up to the standard of. Oh of no! A it leaves like a real dry. Yeah, uh, Audi's brand. I think it's called Dairy something. Dairy fine. Yeah, dairy. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, actually, quite nice. Like it's not. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit sweeter. It's eighty-five percent of the way there to you know yeah. your, your Cadbury's Cadbury. or your Lint's. Um, and obviously, I like a sweet chocolate. I mean, that's probably all they could do for copyright purposes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. It probably is exactly eighty-five uh, percent of Cadbury. I'm but, surprised it's not called like. Bradbury. Bradbury, like, yeah. No, they couldn't get the rights to that one either. Cattery. Cattery. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it's, it's delicious. It's, and you can get the eggs and they taste pretty good. And uh, you could buy this giant egg for 99 cents That's versus cool. like $5 at Woolies. That's pretty, pretty good. Pretty, mm. pretty, pretty good. All right. So, let's modify the tight ass tip. Buy cheap eggs. Buy from Aldi or after, after Easter. Easter. Correct. Fun, fun fact. Didn't buy any Easter chocolate this year. Jed and I. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Kat and I... We're, we're at Blues Fest, so we drank our Easter. Oh, wait. We, we bought one egg each. Oh, that's good. One egg. How long did they last? Those eggs? Oh, not even that day. <laughs> not even that day. <laughs> not even that day. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. Um, yeah. No, it's, uh, so that, that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've just had a brainwave, though, Tim. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Tim's tight ass tips presented by Audi. Oh, let's get in touch. I'm throwing it. Oh my I'm, god! I'm throwing this out to Audi. 
This is brilliant. Half of our tight ass tips will be Audi if you sponsor us. We should get on this. Right? Yeah. Right. Or the penny pinches menu at Hungry Jack's. <laughs> I was just trying to think of something cheap. I don't good for our health. Yeah, no, Audi though. Sponsor us in hot chips. Yeah, that's fine. In Whoppers. If we can get a drink sponsor and a Whopper sponsor, uh, then like we're done. We also decided between last week's podcast and this week's podcast, we're going to start specializing in vineyards and breweries <laughs> for our accounting services. We don't have any of those clients at the moment. No, but, um, there's a couple around us. So just sounds we should, fun. We should get in touch with them. <laughs> No, this is good. Good, good, tight ass tip, Tim. Easter cool. can be stupidly expensive. Yep. Um, any way to reduce the cost there is a good way. Yeah, so that's a nice little quick one. Yeah, that's a good one. So, Tim, we should probably move on to our main topic, which is the election and essentially the tax, basically the tax policies on either side. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of small business stuff there. But I've got, yeah, I've got some, I've got a, uh, a different site. I also have the CPA. That's where we're getting most of our sources from yep. this week. Mm-hmm. They sent us an email with the pertinent tax changes around the election. Yep. I've also got a smart company uh, website page. So, we'll see what they've got to say about it as well. Yeah, they might have different ones. What's your feelings around the election at the moment? Me specifically? Yeah. Well, let's just start with opinion, subjective. My, my opinion is that... And this is just based on what I see online and, and what I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So, I listen to a lot of political podcasts. That's cool. Hmm. And the general impression that I get is that we went into this election campaign assuming Labor were going to win mm-hmm. by a landslide. Yeah. We're coming out of this election assuming Labor are going to win, but very marginally. Mm. If, you know. If at all. If at all. Um, so, it's definitely tighter. But that could just be because as you approach election day, people revert back to their base positions yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, people might be dissatisfied with the government six weeks ago, but when it actually yeah. comes time to vote, they're still going to vote for their preferred party. Yep. So, that that could be the reason. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My opinion is I'm looking forward to it be over and us to have some certainty and, and to move yeah. forward with some actual policies. Do you, you don't have to say who. Mm. Do you know who you're going to vote for yet? I, I don't. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't. <laughs> we were discussing this uh, the other day, mm. and we were saying, you know, not to toot our own horn, but mm. we're we're kind of like we do keep up to date mm. with all the talk, mm. and we watch the news, and you know, if a couple guys like us who are involved in business and um, see a lot of different industries and clients. Mm-hmm. Really unsure who to vote for based yep. off what each party is suggesting at this point in time. Yep. How is anyone else who takes no notice of the crap, which is fair enough, going to know who to vote for themselves? I don't... I don't... And exactly. Like, as we're saying, we're, we're informed people. I said just mm. before, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm. Um, but again, we're approaching this election and it, and it really feels... I don't like either. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and or, or I mildly like both. You I've got to, I've got to say, like, um, good on Labor for trying to do something different, at mm-hmm. least. Um, the Liberal National Party have obviously gone out and tried to cut taxes and and use the budget as a tool yeah. to gain support, yeah, and their economic management as a tool. Correct. And Labor said, "Well, we're gonna." Be Labor, basically. We want to, we want to do Whereas something different. Whereas the last yeah. few elections, they haven't really. No, I haven't I have, really I had social reform measures. Yeah, and I feel like the last few elections have really been fought on personality more than policy. Yes. Whereas, and, and also... And like, just scare campaigns. Scare campaigns, yeah. yeah. And I feel like there's been... There's still, obviously... Scare campaigns. Trash talk, yeah. but it's not as bad as I, in the past. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm just paying more attention, but I definitely feel... Uh, at least from Labor's side, it's been fairly policy heavy. Yeah. There's been a lot of debate about actual policy. True, true. A lot of that's been lies and scare campaigns yeah. from both sides, but but at least they're talking about something. Well, we're back to promises being made at least. Yeah, and moving forward. Yeah, it's a step. We'll forward. see. <laughs> we'll see what comes after the actual election. Yeah, and I know. If either of the parties can have enough power to make decisions. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's, there's, a, there's a strong chance that there's going to be a hung parliament. 
Which means the independents are the ones with the power. Yeah. And, and, the, and, and I, the, the minor parties like the Greens. Yeah. So somebody who came out recently who's running, he, he was one of the powers back when the Gillard hung parliament happened, mm. Rob Oakeshott. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he got, I think he was voted out a couple of election later. He's come back yeah. and he's running oh, again. And really? it's, it's looking like he's going to win in his seat again. <laughs> wow. Um, but he's come out and said, I'm not going to support either side. So if there's a hung parliament and they can't get his vote, uh, it goes back to a vote. Oh. We go back. Huge But there are other minor parties. You know, there's um, Palmer United, potentially, uh, One, Nation, One Nation, the Greens, and maybe and then, a smattering of independents. Yeah, a litany of other. Yeah, which is, yeah, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, cool. what we want to cool, talk cool, cool, about cool. today is is exactly that policy we want to discuss the major policies policies that are going to affect you as a small business owner mm-hmm. um and yeah what they are mm. and, and how they might affect you so there is a lot of them um so yeah. we're going to run through them fairly quickly if you have any more questions write into us um ask some questions we're, we're going to know by next week hopefully who won the election um so if somebody wins and there was a policy you didn't understand contact us yep we're happy to explain it a bit more mm-hmm. uh so Let's start with the CPA on their one, which is which is a great which is a great summary actually. Um, we're going to start with the Labor Party's policies because they're, they're the people attempting to change and, and, and do some big things. So yep. we'll start there. Yep. So the very first one that I've got here, Tim, is the cost of managing tax affairs. They're yes. proposing to limit the amount an individual can deduct because at the moment your tax accounting fees are tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're planning to limit the amount an individual can deduct for the management of their fees at $3,000 per year per yeah. person. So there, there are a lot of accountants up in arms over this, mm. feeling very um, concerned. Yeah, and I, I think my, my suspicion is that's just on principle, not yeah. on reality. Yeah, because... Look, maybe we don't have that sort of client, but we don't have that many individuals not in business that would ever get to that amount. That would have fees over three thousand dollars. Yeah, and even I was saying to you the other, the other day, and this is probably a bit silly to say on recorded media, mm. but couldn't a savvy accountant, maybe not the best way to say it, mm. um, just Sp- say to that, the fees. yeah, <laughs> spread the fees because an individual with fees of over $3,000 probably has other entities like a super fund mm. or a company or a business. So, incur the fees in those entities. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's going to save too much of, yeah, I can't, it, it says here that it's going to save, what's the amount? Uh, increased revenue by $365 million over the Ford estimates, which is a number of years. So, it's not a lot of money. It's not. So, I, I, don't, I feel like this might just be a swipe at, the high end of town they seem like they're doing yeah. something I, I actually, I actually um, read something saying um, that it's going to catch catch more people who are claiming the interest deductions for yeah. ATO interest charges general interest charges yeah, which also go under the same label yeah so you did you did explain to me this the other day that mm. what they're really trying to cap is small oh, sorry not small uh, if you owe a lot of money to the ATO they actually mm. charge you interest yep. so you actually pay interest on your ATO debt yep and that and interest which is deductible. Is deductible. Yeah. Uh, and if you owe a large debt, you're getting a large amount of interest, therefore a tax deduction. Yep. Uh, they're trying to limit people who are getting tax deductions mm-hmm. for having debts. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, it, do- it does. That makes yeah. sense to me. Yep. Uh, so the next policy along for labor is limiting negative gearing from for new houses, or sorry, two new houses from the 1st of January 2020. Okay. So that means new investment properties? Yep, so all investments made prior to this date will not be affected by the changes and will cool. be fully grandfathered. grandfathered. So, everyone yep. up in arms that they're going to lose a lot of money from this. Yeah. Your current house is not it's affected fine. by these rules. It's fine. Any new property that you buy yeah. next year, mm-hmm. um, that is the new rules. Mm-hmm. Any property that you currently own, yep. no new That's just the same rules the you've always rule. had. So, do they have a date there? First of January, twenty twenty. Okay, okay. So halfway through this, there is next a period of time. Yeah, there is a period of time to, to get yourself organised. If you are looking to buy that investment property, and it's meant to be negatively geared, mm-hmm. I'm glad they've put a date out. Yeah, because there have been some changes in the past, 
Um, they've backdated. Which they've backdated. Yeah. Uh, to when they first mooted the change. Yeah. So, it's good they've got a date there. People can get it organized. Yeah. So, Does so it concern you? doesn't really concern me, to be honest. I mean, yeah. there are, there are, we've done a whole episode on neg- negative gearing. You can go back and, and listen to that. But essentially, negative gearing works in very specific circumstances. Um, the rest of the time, you're actually losing money on your property, especially in the market today where values are going down, not up. Yeah. You're losing money. Yeah, Not exactly. gaining it. Yeah, um, sure. So, it, it works well in a situation where the value of your property is increasing more than the you know paper loss you're making every year and the tax concessions you're getting for that. The only thing for me, as someone who's bought a house, I just hope that policy doesn't um, put more pressure on a weak housing market. Yeah. Well, when with, they first came up with this policy- informed people yeah. who have negative gearing properties- Freaking out and freaking selling. Freaking out and selling yeah. in a rush. Yeah, see, as somebody who's about to buy a house, Tim, I hope that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's an interesting one. Um, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. You know, I think the, the rhetoric going around is, you know, all your police officers and your teachers who have a negative give house are, are going to miss out. Well, they're only missing out if they're buying a new house. Yep. The current house doesn't change. Yep. Whatever they're doing right now continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the next one, capital gains tax. So, this is kind of in conjunction with this negative gearing one. Essentially, they're saying that the capital gains discount for all assets purchased after the 1st of January 2020, so the same date, uh, will reduce the discount from 50 to 25%. Mm. So, right now, if you own an asset uh, for more than 12 months and then you sell it and you make a gain, you automatically can discount that gain, reduce it, by half. As long as it's owned not by a company. <laughs> Correct. So, this is an individual I'm talking about yep. here. Uh, in most circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, you're selling it, you get a 50% reduction in the value of that gain mm-hmm. and then you pay tax on only half of it. Yeah. Whereas, what they're proposing is instead of 50%, 25%. So, you're paying tax on 75% of the gain instead of 50% of the gain. It's quite a big change. So, it only applies to assets purchased after 1st of January 2020. After, yep. So, if you currently own an asset, this is not an issue. Grandfathered. Correct. If you are going to buy an asset, then it's something to consider. An example of an asset you might be purchasing that could be caught under these rules after 1st of January 2020, Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rental property. Rental property. Uh, Shares. Shares. Collectible items. Yeah, artwork. Any other investment that you're making that makes a gain when you sell it, not a loss, but a gain, Mm. um, you could potentially be paying more tax on that capital gain. Yep. Um, So, it made me think about this policy. So, Mm. obviously, less tax is great. Um, And I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, I've always just known that it's a 50% reduction and that's just how it's been. So, I accepted that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. But they don't like. They don't really need to give a discount to anyone. No, exactly right. So it was the discount came in because there never did used to be a capital gains tax. Yeah. So tax used to only be charged on ordinary income. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then they changed that rule in '85. <laughs> yeah, whenever it was. <laughs> because if you had an asset previous to that time when they brought in the rule. If you still own that asset and you sold it for a huge gain now, hmm. it's tax-free. It's tax-free. There's no, there's no capital gains tax no. on items previous to that date. Yeah, but if you bought it after that date, then you pay tax on 50% as long as you've owned it more than 12 months yeah. and you're not a company hmm. uh, of that gain. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, Dan. But, you know, at the same time, it's pretty rough. It's a it pretty... Def- capital gains tax is rough because... I, I think it is too. You... That's to say you've owned an asset for 10 years mm. and then it's gone up 10% in all of those years. So, <laughs> it, it, let's just say 100% over 10 years, it's mm. increased in value. I've bought it for $10,000, sell it for 20. Mm-hmm. Um, that's income that I've generated over a period of time mm-hmm. that's just going to lump in one year. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about gonna, it. It's just going to destroy the gain that I'm making. Correct. And... It's largely dependent 
on the other income that I have in that year as well. That's right. So if I'd if, be almost better off taking a year off when I sell that asset. Yeah, <laughs> if if I had if you'd earned instead of ten grand over ten years, if you'd earned two grand over two over ten years each year, you'd be paying less tax, assuming mm. that your marginal rate is at a you know, potentially yeah. um, paying less tax across that time. Yeah. So a fifty percent discount makes sense. Yeah. And you know, I can even see some people thinking, well, stuff getting an asset that's going to increase in value over time i just mm. want the income that's all i want yeah exactly that's that's fascinating tim i, I you've convinced me mm, that's good you've convinced me that's rare yeah <laughs> i see the logic <laughs> did the spock symbol uh, uh so and prosper ending cash refunds for excess imputation we had a whole episode on this yeah um so this would start for from the first of july 2019 so straight away uh, so go back, listen to the episode where we explained franking credits and how this would work. We had opinions either way, <laughs> yeah. um, but basically, mm. it's stopping you from getting cash refunds from franking credits. So if you're somebody who gets a lot of franking credits and ends up with a big tax refund, not mm -hmm. tax reduction, but a mm. tax refund, actual cash given to you, yeah. then this could affect you. If you've never heard of franking credits, or if you are not somebody who gets a cash refund then this policy does not affect you. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, it's not going, as we discussed in that episode, mm. it's not going to um, affect high income earners or just normal income earners. No. Because you're paying tax. Correct. So, it'll be absorbed. Yeah. But it will affect low income earners. Yeah. Specifically, people who are retired yeah. um, and earning um, dividends in their super fund or yeah. dividends in their ordinary income outside of super. Yep. If they're not paying tax, they won't get the franking credits back get the as a cash refund like they have. It could definitely have a significant in impact on those people. Yep. The argument which we did in the episode could be, well, they're not actually bad, like not well off people. They're getting yep. a lot of money. It's yep. just not taxable, but mm. it's definitely a big impact for them either way. So funnily enough, labor has said they're going to use it to give free, I believe they said, free dental to, to pensioners right. and seniors. That could actually be a big difference to pensioners. Like so dental's a lot. It's kind of shifting. Especially when you're old with dentures and stuff. Yeah. So, it's shifting like income away from, I guess, the people who mm. are more sophisticated and have a lot of mm. investments and, re and retirement savings mm. to people who don't and can't afford to even get their teeth fixed. Yeah. So that's a fascinating one. Anyway, go back, listen to that other episode. Um, but it could definitely affect somebody, especially if you're a small business paying yep. paying frank dividends to yourself and you're hoping to get a bit of a refund from that. Could affect that. Yeah, small business owners. And I'm, I'm looking at my own dad you know, heading into retirement. Yeah. And we were discussing it the other day. Mm. Um, he's sort of trying to assess what sort of impact it's going to have on him. But it will, I know, I think it will definitely have an impact on him. A, a funny thing that I just thought of then though, Franking credits are actually reducing for small business owners at the moment anyway. To 27.5. 5%. Yeah. So, it is reducing you anyway. Can, you can still pay the 30 though, can't you? Uh, I'm unclear on that one. I think if it's paid... You can choose to pay it at the lower rate. But No, I don't think you can pay it if it's a dividend for this year. I think it's only previous years it's the 30. I'm not sure on that. I have to double check that. Yeah. Um, most of the time, I think it's the current tax year's rate. Yeah. But there is, I think there might be some circumstances where it can be the higher one. Okay. But you still have the same amount of franking credits as you did before. You just don't receive as many of them this year. Yeah. So, the balance yeah. is still the same yeah. for the prior year tax paid. That yeah. You're not losing out on franking credits. You're just not getting them all through a dividend right yeah. now. Carry on. What do we got next? Uh, the next one is taxation of family discretionary trusts. Now, this is, this is a big one. So... Go back and listen to our trust episode, um, episode four. I want to yeah, say we're pretty, uh, pretty raw then. Pretty raw then. So maybe yeah. you know, maybe not. But um, <laughs> essentially, a, a discretionary trust. Dan sucked at podcasting back then. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, better now, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I've improved. Um, <laughs> essentially, a discretionary trust can allocate its profit and its income at the end of the year to between the beneficiaries of that trust any which way that it likes. Which can it, be a very broad range of people. Essentially, it's at the discretion of the trustee and where that profit gets distributed. And it's, and it's people mentioned as beneficiaries plus their immediate family and their immediate family. And yeah, it's, it's, so, it's a broad group of people. 
essentially what people have been doing with discretionary trust legally mm. is they earn an income probably through business or investments mm-hmm. and they are allowed to split that income to whoever they want. And that's why they're often called family trusts mm. because uh, in the past, people put income in the children's name. That's right. Um, there, and There are limits to that these days. Yeah, it's way less these days for kids. You know, to put 400 and... 16 bucks, 19 so bucks, something like that. The main benefit you get out of trust yeah. these days is if you've got like a non-active partner, like husband or wife yeah. who's not working in the business, mm-hmm. you are legally allowed to put income yeah. in their name. Correct. Um, however you like. So, if, if you are a, um, a company and you just want to pay your partner a wage or something, technically, that's actually not allowed. Because they're not doing anything. Yeah, they have to do... They, they have actually to, have to do something. To it has to be fair compensation. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. that could be tax avoidance. <laughs> exactly. Whereas in a trust... You're actually, you don't often see them cracking down no, on that. But, but if you're following the letter of the law... Yeah, um, yeah. But in a trust, at the moment, a discretionary trust, mm-hmm. you can legally split the income between several people. Exactly. And that reduces the tax because each individual has up to 20 grand... Tax-free. Tax-free. Yeah. Um, brilliant. And if you have a partner who's not working at the moment, you've just had a kid, they're, you know, taking some time off, um, you could send a bit of income their way uh, and they pay less tax on it. And But your family still has the same cash. Yep. So, what the uh, Labor Party are suggesting is stopping that mm-hmm. and charging trusts the same corporate tax rate that a company gets, which is... 30% for most companies, small businesses. Um, I'm not sure if the small business one would apply, but I'm sure it would. It would have to. That's Tim's dog. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> Being creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but essentially, I don't like this. I'm not a huge fan of it because just practically, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare mm. um, to change. I, the trust is like the oldest entity there is. Yeah. And they're making these changes which a lot of people are not going to understand. And I don't know, like it just raises a lot of questions. Like, is there going to be a franking account for a trust now? If the, yeah. (laughs) Or are they going to structure it in a way that the individual gets the income, but the, the tax rate on that income is a different calculation to what their tax would be on their normal other income, yes. like wages. So, does the trust pay tax on the profit and then distribute that profit with a tax credit attached to it? Maybe. And, Maybe. That, and that way, at minimum, the individual has paid 30% no, at, at but, maximum? No, but they're saying that the individual will have to pay... They have to pay tax at the corporate rate. Yeah, right. So, really... What they're saying is that the, the, the trust income is going to be taxed or that, I guess... In the individual even if you get a thousand thirty percent Yeah, right. if you, even if you get $1,000 and you've got no other income, then that'll be taxed at, at 30%. 30%. Yeah. I don't know. And then, and then trusts are really flexible with being able to put income to people. Um, so, you can take drawings. The cash, the cash isn't really a drama. But then, no. the, the matter, do matters like this then... Affect it. Affect... Flexibility uh, of cash drawings. I, I'd assume no. I'd assume it's only the profit that you have to worry about. I'd take money out, put money in as much as you want like you normally yeah. do. But still, it is isn't. It is concerning. Um, mm. Here's my main issue with it. And I suppose it doesn't really work the same when you think of a business in the context of a company or a sole trader. But in a lot of instances, um, someone has set up a business to support their family. Yes. They have a business. They, you know, they work in this business. Mm. Uh, their wife might help them or their husband might help them or, mm. or maybe not. Uh, they might be doing other things like looking after kids. Or they what- probably look after the family. Exactly. So they can look- spend all of their time running the business. Exactly. So, the, so this, pa- this partner runs this business at, for the benefit that helps the entire family. Mm. Um, and a discretionary trust kind of lets you do that in a tax-effective way yeah. because your partner is getting income because it does benefit them. Yeah. That business does benefit that partner. Yeah. They are receiving a benefit from that business. So, yep. the trust really does hold an asset that benefits those people. So, they yeah. are beneficiaries of that business. That's true. So, why shouldn't they get a distribution of profit? Because... And pay tax. Bill Shorten <laughs> thinks people are dodging tax by and, using it. And people do. There are just, you know, there are people that distribute money to relatives that probably never actually get that money and hmm. um, that does happen yeah but yeah i'm just i'm not totally convinced on this one 
I know, I know. Um, I know as accountants, we're biased because it's going to mean big changes for mm. our clients. Why have a us. trust then? Just have a, have a company. Well, the reason to have a trust soon, if that passes, mm. will be that you had one. Yeah. And you may as well just keep it because it's going to be just Cost as expensive to yeah. restructure to a company and you're paying the same tax as a company. Yeah. yeah. We need more details about this. We do. We do. Um, so the other policies are the budget deficit repair levy. So reinstate the budget deficit repair levy of two cents per tax uh, for taxpayers with taxable income in excess of one hundred eighty thousand. So that's targeted at the high income earners. Yeah, that's right. That's that's two percent. So two percent of one hundred eighty grand, Dan. What's that? I don't know a lot. Three thousand six hundred. Yeah, it's a fair bit. Hmm. That's a fair bit of a difference. There's a lot of bit, and it's, that that's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, that has happened in previous years. Yeah. So that's just reinstating it again. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I don't oh, know. I'm, f- I'm fine with that one. Yeah. Just, just, just putting a money value on it. Yep. Uh, low and middle income tax offset. So workers earning up to 37000 a year will receive a tax cut of $350 for workers earning between thirty-seven and forty-eight. Yeah. The value offset will increase to a maximum of 1008 So that's essentially just agreeing to the Liberal Party's policy. Yeah. Um, on that one so we did a whole episode on the budget go back and listen to that for more specifics yeah. but essentially um, a little bit more uh, sorry a little bit less tax for low and middle income earners which is great yep. so that includes probably most of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, close the first home oh close the first home super saver scheme oh really yeah um, the scheme allowed voluntary contributions to super funds to save for the first home um, which is tax saving so they yeah, want to stop yeah. that Wow. But they have introduced other measures since these have probably been issued. Yeah. So both parties announced um, that you only need a 5% deposit it's pretty instead hectic. of a 20. That's pretty hectic. Um, which is, it's, that's, you know, it's a lot of money saved there. The which bank is, must be guaranteeing up to the 20%. No. I mean, the, sorry, the government. The government is guaranteeing it. Wow. So they <clears> said they expect well, Liberal parties... Um, numbers where there was going to be around 10,000 people that would take advantage of this, which isn't many. <laughs> it's not a lot of people. But 10,000 times the guaranteed portion of a house, you know, it's not that much in the grand scheme of a government budget. Yeah. So, it's not a huge risk for them. Um, and not many of them will default. Default. So, yeah. So, let's say, you know, 20,000 people take it up and, you know, uh, 500 default on a loan. Yeah. That's not a lot. That's awesome for um, first-time owners. Yeah. Um, feeling, my, my, every day, feeling like I missed the boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're closing the first-home super saver scheme, so that's a problem for me. Yeah. No, but they'll grandfather it. Oh, definitely. No, so they'll just stop fine. it from being a thing yeah. in the future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Australian investment guarantee. So, allow all businesses to immediately expense 20% of the value of eligible depreciated assets in the first year of all new investments with the balance depreciated in line with normal depreciation schedules from the first year. I haven't heard of that one. So if you're investing in something, you get an immediate 20% depreciation on the assets. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. Hmm. They slipped that one under the radar. Yeah. Uh, New job tax cuts. So small businesses with a turnover up to 10 million will be able to claim an additional 30% tax deduction on the salary for up to five employees who are younger than 25 or older than 55, unemployed for three months or more. That's cool. So, then that's unemployed for three months or more, any age. Oh. So, if they are just less than 25 or older than 55, didn't yep. have to have been unemployed. Correct. Or you, just get beto- extra, you get extra deductions <laughs> for that. Or if they're between 25 and 55. And they've been unemployed. And they've for been months. unemployed for three months. Wow. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Or maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. It oh, could yeah. be both of those together. That uh, makes I more f- sense. I feel like... So, I they need like to be unemployed for more than three months and be under 25 and over 55. Yeah. Mm. I was wrong. We have two people who fit into that category. Actually, maybe even four. Who work for us. Yeah. So, we'll have to make them unemployed for three so months. Five them all <laughs> for three months. Bring them back. 30% increase in the deduction. Although the missed wages are probably... We could just pay them <laughs> cash for three months. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's a good one. That's incentivizing hiring young people and old people. 
It's good. I, I support it. I yep. think it's great. That's a good one. Uh, research and development tax incentives. So firms that collaborate with researchers in universities and public research agencies to create new knowledge will be eligible for a 10% premium. The premium could be claimed by firms that engage in activities such as um, cooperating with the university or CSIRO, embedding industry researchers in, in, within a university facility, employing PhD graduates, or hiring PhD students to do industrial research within your company. Hmm. Yeah, so that kind of incentive has been around for a little while, but obviously that's a bit more specific. I think what that one's trying to do, because there's a lot of people who think that the R&D tax incentive is a, is a rip-off yeah. and that people are being dodgy. What I think that mm. one is, is trying to tie that back to actual research done mm. by you and universities and well, legit researchers. I think what they really wanted to do with that was mm. create innovation. Yeah. And a lot of innovation does happen in unis. Mm. And yeah, the universities have all of these amazing facilities. So mm. that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to team business with university. Yeah. I wonder how successful it's been so far. I don't think there would be that much of it happening. Mm. But, you know, the hard part is just knowing as a business owner what you could go in there and, and do with them, I mm. suppose. But it's pretty cool if you had some great idea. Yeah, mm. definitely. I have, I have at least one client. That is collaborating with the university. With the university? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. That's true R&D. Yep. And, and it's great for the university. Yeah. Great for, for the, the business. industry and the business. Yeah. Uh, so, the next one, include labor hire in TPRS to combat phoenixing. <laughs> so, include labor hire contracting firms in the taxable payments reporting scheme. Mm. Okay. To reduce phoenixing risk sector. So, apparently, a lot of people Phoenix in the labor hire. Wow. Interesting. Mm. Um, deductions for multinational debts. So, limit debt deductions for multinational companies to worldwide gearing ratio. This means that the amount of permissible debt would be limited to the debt to equity ratio of the entire global group. Rather than structuring the debt all in Australia or something yeah. and claiming the interest, which is more than their income. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Uh, multinational royalty payments deny multinationals a tax deduction for royalties when they are paid to a firm with one billion or more of global turnover. Interesting. Deny multinationals a tax deduction for royalties when they are paid to it. Right. So if I think that's if if there's a uh, Apple Australia yeah. company who are paying royalties to yeah. Apple America, yeah. um, they're denying a tax deduction for yep. that because really it's just transferring income out of the country. I don't mind that. I'm fine with that. That's a good one. And then multinational tax, automatically deny deductions from companies for travel to and from tax havens. Uh, mm, increase penalties for individuals and entities promoting tax evasion. Fines of up to $2.1 million for an individual <laughs> who promotes these schemes. Wow. Uh, requiring all individual Australian taxpayers to notify and declare to the ATO if they have residency or citizenship in any other jurisdiction and the name of that jurisdiction. Ooh. And introduce public reporting by country by country reports, ensuring the release of high-level tax information about where and how much tax was paid by large corporations. This is still all labor. Yep. <laughs> introduce a public a publicly accessible red This goes on. You can find it doesn't relate to too many people, but yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, and now let's fly through the last page and a half here of labor's policies. <laughs> Uh, double FIRB fees and penalties. Double the foreign investment application fees that currently apply to residential realists. That's not going to apply to anyone. Uh, there's a policy here on whistleblowers. Provide uh, protection for whistleblowers who report on entities evading tax. Okay. Interesting. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, the Banking Fairness Fund levy. The levy on Australia's biggest banks will fund the Banking Fairness Fund to provide financial counselling services available to Australia, uh, Australians in financial difficulty. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Because the banks have been so shitty yeah. that they have to now put in money to a fund which then provides free counselling to people in <laughs> financial services. I like it. It's a good call. That's a good one. Rather than the taxpayer paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, limit direct borrowing by self-managed super funds. Yep. That one has been touted for a little while. Mm. It's, it's pretty limited right now anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fast track superannuation guarantee. So when prudent ending the freeze 
of the superannuation guarantee at 9.5% and fast-tracking it to the 12% they've been aiming at. Wow. So when, when, prudent. when prudent. So who knows what that means. Mm. Uh, also, phase out the $450 minimum income threshold. Oh, okay. That's a big change. So at the moment, you don't have to pay a super for somebody if they earn less than $450 in a month. It does feel very archaic, mm. that rule. Mm. Uh, super contribution caps. So lower the annual non-concessional cap from 100 to 75. Ooh. They've already lowered it from, I think it was 180 mm. down to 100. Uh, further lower the high income superannuation contribution threshold from 250 to 200. Mm. Um, and reverse the introduction of catch-up concessional contributions and changes to tax deductibility for personal con super contributions. Really? really? They're going to reverse the deductibility for super personal super contributions? Apparently. That's crap. Yeah, I agree. I like that rule. I also like that rule. It's only new too. That's crap. Uh, All right, I know who I'm voting for. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to skip a few of these. There's, uh, I'll just read the headlines. Competition and growth task force. Personal income tax cuts. So that's uh, phase one from July 2022. The top threshold of 19% of nineteen personal income tax bracket will increase to 45000 um, From 2024, 32.5% marginal tax rate will be reduced to 30%. And from July 2024, 37% uh, bracket will be abolished. So yeah. pretty similar to the liberal very, studies. Very similar. One. Well, um, liberal parties, <laughs> liberal <laughs> studies, liberal parties. Although um, liberal then go all the way to two hundred grand at thirty yeah, percent, whereas right. um, Labor's thirty percent we'll stop at the conk out at like one hundred and twenty or something like that. Yeah, whatever the whatever the, the bracket is bracket up there. Is, yeah. uh, so the low and middle income tax offset, as well, looks like they're basically the same thing as the Liberal Party one. Yeah, uh, increase Medicare levy low income threshold. There's no okay. real detail there, but that's what they want to do. Yep. Uh, fast track lower taxes for small business. So corporate tax rate for small and medium businesses will be cut to 25% by 2022. Okay. Five similar. years earlier than previously planned. I think that, that sounds very similar to... <laughs> Unincorporated small businesses will receive comparable treatment through an increase in their small business discount rate to 16%. Okay. That's, I haven't heard that one before. Increasing the small business discount rate. So, I think, so if you're a sole trader yeah, and currently you get a reduction mm. in the amount of tax you pay. Well, there's, the, there's an offset. It's like a thousand bucks. Correct. So this maximum. is increasing that by 16, to 16%, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. That does not make any sense. Um, ABN holders with an income tax return obligation will be required to lodge their income tax return. Now, you know what that is? Mm. They're increasing it to 16%, so you can get to the $1,000 quicker. Quicker. But it's still probably going to be capped at $1,000. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Division 7A changes delayed. From the start of the amendments of Div 7A will be delayed by 12 months. The proposal amendments announced the 2018-2016 budget. So I don't even know what that is at the moment. Helping Australians buy their first home. <laughs> uh, we talked about that one already yeah we've talked about that one already actually you know what <laughs> this was now the liberal policies oh Dan <laughs> so well that's no wonder it sounded a lot like the liberal policies yeah so, so the last one there was the last labor one was the super contribution caps threshold so the uh, liberal okay. party ones were the tax cuts the personal tax cuts that I spoke about yeah the low and middle income tax so labor don't have any of that personal tax cuts. Uh, yeah, it was just mentioned further up. Okay. Yeah, we did we did discuss it. Uh -huh. So we've mentioned the personal tax cuts twice. Um, so the Liberal parties were the personal tax cuts that started in 2022, uh, the middle income tax offset, the increase in the Medicare levy low income threshold, fast tracking taxes reduction for small businesses, um, Division 7A is delayed and helping Australians buy their first home. Yeah, okay. They're the only few I that I mentioned. Literally, I think for all of those things, we were like, yep, same as liberal. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It is liberal. So the superannuation improving, improving flexibility for older Australians. Members or regulated of regulated superannuation funds have zero restriction for making voluntary contributions prior to reaching 65. Huh. The government intends to increase this age limit to allow 65 and 66-year-olds to contribute. As like a last-ditch effort. They can chuck as much as they want in mm. in those last few years. Because right now, you've limited to a concessional contributions cap and a non-concessional yep. contributions cap. So, scrap, scrapping those caps mm. for elder people who want to just 
save some tax and get yep. more money in the super. Mm. Makes sense. Pretty cool. Well, the more they let people do that, the less pensions they have to pay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, extend the maximum size of self-managed super fund to six members. That's been talked about for a long time. That's awesome. The Labor didn't mention that one. No. I really like Expand that. pension loan scheme to provide a 1.8 million Australians the option to draw down on more of the equity of their own home. That's such a good idea. Uh, allow contributions to super for the um, from the proceeds of downsizing up to $300,000 for eligible Australians age 65 and over. So if you're a 65-year-old yes. and you've got a million-dollar home and you're moving into a $400,000 home, you can, you can not put, pay stamp duty. Yeah, you, you can put $600,000 into your super fund and not have... Oh, actually, up to 300000 You could put $300,000 into your super fund um, and not be taxed on it. Not that you would be taxed on and it. And there's something about stamp duty there as well, I swear. Yeah, it doesn't say it here, but... Okay. Yeah. Uh, continue to allow self-managed super funds to borrow on a non-recourse basis. Oh, so they're, they're allowing it. Yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of other super fund measures. They've gone hard on super funds. So they're, they're, they're basically, if, you, if you're pro-super fund, mm. you're probably voting liberal. But, but here's the thing as well. Liberal Party have, on this particular document, two and a half pages of stuff. Probably a third of that is super funds. Yeah. The Labor Party had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of policies. Jeez. They're making a lot of promises. They're going to be so busy. That's big reforms. If they get voted in. Big reforms. <sighs> yeah, so I'll tell you what. I hope if Labor get in, it's not a hung parliament because we're just going to be arguing back and, and forth. Arguing and arguing and nothing's going to get through. Will get through. But then people will still expect them to put all of the benefit ones <sighs> through, which which means there'll just be bigger deficit. So, uh, if, 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 if there is a hung parliament out there in Labor's favour... Um, independence can you please let them just pass all their policies because <laughs> even if we don't like give them, them a shot. they're doing it give them a shot you know don't, don't let them pass half of it and then expect them to mm. do all the benefit ones yeah. because that's just going to mean that they have to pay more money than they've got yeah so don't do that but yeah so that is fascinating that there was yeah two and a half pages of liberal policies starting at the personal tax cuts and seven pages of labor policies so as you can see you're not really comparing apples with apples here um Labor have gone hard with some big policies. The, the biggest ones, obviously, that people have spoken about mostly are the franking credits and the trust distributions and some of the changes to super. And they've also got the personal tax cuts in there and, and a few yep. other things. Um, the Liberal Party, classic as you'd expect, are all for reducing taxes mm. and uh, you know protecting your super. <laughs> so, hmm. if you're looking That's strictly as a tax... Yeah. discussion and strictly as a well how do the taxes affect my small business yeah. there's other small business policies out there I'm sure about innovation or yep. whatever but this is strictly on a tax perspective yeah you know you, you so there's a couple of things here I'll read out yeah go for it um, so this is a liberal thing they're talking about uh, establishing a two billion dollar business securitization fund which will support non-bank lenders to improve uh, SME finance. Yeah. So that's that's something that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, then we've got what else? Red tape. So apparently both major parties parties support a radical simplica- simplification of Australia's business registers. Mm. Um, yeah. Payment times. So that's that's another small business issue. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure both parties are probably committing to e-invoicing. Yeah, I think that's going ahead. I think mm. that's an ATO initiative. Force Australia's largest. Okay, interesting. Scott Morrison promised to force Australia's largest three thousand companies to reveal data about how quickly they pay small businesses. Mm. Labor supports the coalition's plan on payment times. So, the coalition has been pushing that. Yeah, that's good. And Labor supports it. So, that's that's cool. Justice and competition. Boring. Not a lot of differentiation there, though. (laughs) Illegal phoenixing. So, same thing you were sort of discussing. Banking compo. The skills shortage. Um, Both major parties are planning big changes to arrest declining apprenticeship rates. Mm. 
And then assorted goodies. So what have we got here? Labor has pledged to outlaw pay parity clauses in the accommodation sector. So Expedia and Booking.com have used that to restrict the ability of small business owners to advertise their own rates online. Ah. That's actually really good because... That increases um, competition. Well, they're foreign companies. Yeah. So that are and, restricting uh, the we, rates. We book through Booking.com. Mm. Um, we try not to in Australia, but it's just, it's cheaper. Mm. So it's hard not to. Yeah. And um, yeah, but that's pushing money overseas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Away from small business. Um, what else? Uh, the coalition has promised to establish an automotive industry code of conduct to protect independent car dealers from being pushed around by large car manufacturers. Labor, meanwhile, will force car manufacturers to share technical information with independent mechanics to even the playing field with authorized dealers. Ooh. That's pretty sus. Mm. They don't share their uh, their information. Yeah, the plans for the cars. That is sus. So they're their servicing uh, shops can have an advantage. Yeah. Huh. Sneaky. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's all sorts of weird stuff they promise this time of year. Yeah. They're just never sure what's going to happen. The specific industry groups that lobby them for something yeah. and then they go, oh, we're helping the cars. It, feel, it, feels like, it feels like they just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. See what sticks. <sighs> yeah, but that's a fascinating summary. Um, I think so, I know who I'm going to vote for now, Dan. Yeah, I think I think I know who you are going to vote for now. Mm. Um <laughs> so, quickly going through one last party. Um, yeah, this is oh, yeah, saving the best for last. Yeah, the United Australia Party. Yep. Um, top businessman. He's going to have the best policies for business, Tim. <laughs> the best policies. I'm sure there's a business. lot of detail here. Yeah. So, his website has 177 words total on policy. Oh, yes. Uh, so, there was more words in the CPA summary of each party's policies <laughs> that we just read than he has on his entire policies uh, on his website that's so crazy Uh, and i just want to read two of them out here so establishing a system where people create wealth in various parts of the country and for that wealth to flow back to the community that generates the wealth makes a lot of sense and then creating mineral wealth to continuously contribute to the welfare of the australian community oh mineral wealth so he wants to help his companies mine more And, and employ people and not pay them in the areas. So messed up. Ugh, idiot. Look, if you're taking anything from this episode... Don't vote for Just United please don't vote for them. <laughs> Preference them number six. Yes, Or please. whatever it is. That would be great. Yeah, so that, that was fascinating, Tim. Um, cool. Let's yeah. move on. I think the only other two things I wanted to say... Tim, I... And this is... No, Topic that's start. fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's sort of different, sort of the same thing. Okay. If you are voting... On Saturday, maybe just do a little bit of research into how your preference votes work. Yeah, and also how to how the Senate works. We were discussing this the other day, mm. and uh, I learned things mm. from it as well. Like they get elected for six years. Yeah, in the Senate. I'm surprised and you didn't know that actually. I know. And do you know the Senate works based off? Um, there's a certain number of senators from each state. I did know and that. that. Was, yeah, that was the way to... Because, obviously, there's more population in New South Wales. Mm. That's, so, they're represented more in the House of Reps. Less from each uh, territory. Did you know that? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Not evenly represented. Class. Yeah. Huh. But, yeah, so the, yeah. The, the idea with the Senate... Um, so, you know, everybody... So, that Tassie can't get screwed over by all the other bigger states, basically. Yeah, exactly. But Northern Territory can. <laughs> <laughs> and the ACT. But who votes on a state basis in yeah. the Senate? They're, they're voting party basis. Well, this is the thing you pointed out to me because I probably... I'd like to think I would research the senators, but yeah. I can't give a right to ask, to be honest. So you're just going to so, put a number one above whatever party you like and whatever and num- one yeah. and hope that they've put the best person first. You may, yeah, you made a good point. Like, what if they put the biggest jerk first? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, what if you're voting number one um, Liberal Party and there's six candidates under the Liberal Party for New South Wales and the first guy is a huge climate change denier who just happens to be in with the party in New South <laughs> Wales. And, and then breaks away. And the second guy is not that much better and the third lady is awesome and does great work and believes in great things. I mean, you're going to want to put her first. I tell you what, if you are wanting to get into politics... The Senate's a great place to go <laughs> because no one knows who any of them are. And you get six-year tenure. You get six years. <laughs> Damn. 
And they uh, hardly have to do anything. Uh, they, they only vote on it after the House of Reps. Yeah, and they do inquiries, yeah. part of their... Th- yeah, anyway. But uh, I'd imagine it would be a fairly competitive space to get yep. a Senate. I feel like you'd be more sucking up to the parties yeah, to choose is, you. Which is why you get a bunch of party hacks. And Although mm. there are some good people in the Senate, you know, Penny Wong and you, your yeah. other ones that are good people, obviously have made their way there for a good reason. But... Yeah. Anyway, uh, that ends our discussion this week on politics. Please mm. vote tomorrow. Uh, whoever you vote for, um, just vote for them. Don't um, don't let it all slide. Uh, Tim, do you have another thing this week? I do, actually. I probably could have used this in the business update, but mm. this, is, this is an interesting one. Mm. I was discussing this with Dad uh, recently. So, he brought in this newspaper article for me. Mm. Uber is preparing an IPO. Mm. So, they're raising equity. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, Uber's racking up losses. Did you know this? I, I don't think Uber's ever made a profit. Yeah. Have they? It's a, they it's, have. it's a loss-making multi-billion dollar startup. A lot of those startups do make losses for a long time. You, you're betting on them making a profit eventually, but for a long so time, they make big losses. It's valued between... They've ratcheted it down to be valued between US $80 billion and US $90 billion. And they want to raise US 10 bill. Right. <laughs> For the billions of rides, it loses billions of dollars providing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. I would never have thought that they lose money. You, you'd it. be annoyed that if you're a taxi driver right now and you're, you're upset anyway at, at them. Yeah. You'd be annoyed that not only are you losing your clients, but they're losing money making you lose your clients. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, so, this article says, as is typical for loss-making companies, the pre-IPO filing is full of distracting milestones. The prospectus has more than 280 pages of commentary before the financials appear, <laughs> in which you, they don't you would great. see the losses. Uh, let's see what it says here. Um, I'm trying to look for some figures about... Okay. Uber's revenue grew 43% to US $11.3 billion in 2018. What? From $7.9 billion in 2017. It's huge growth. Yeah. Rapid growth. The growth rate's slowing. So, in 2017, revenue grew more than 100%. Right. So, they're actually... Dropped 43%. They're reaching their maturity, I guess. So, the company clips the ticker for each ride its contractors, not employee, and therefore potentially bypassing employee entitlements, provide. It's called the take rate and sits at 20%. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. So, mm. they're just trying to get you to invest in their money that um, makes losses, but could potentially make huge profits. Yeah, I actually think what they're trying to do, the people who founded it, trying to get their money back. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Let's get our money back before the business collapse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the, the only other thing, and yeah, so how are they how are they floating that? By the way, how are they cash flowing that when they're constantly making losses? Investors. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was going to say was um, a bit of another business update here. Mm. Did you see Zero release their financial year twenty nineteen results? Yeah, they grew. They, yeah. they did well. I, so, I just read um, we all. It's yeah, their we first did well. first positive year uh, for cash flow. Yeah, which is up thirty five million. So, so zero was going to be an example I was going to give. Yeah. Um, for a long time, zero made big losses. Yeah, that was their whole strategy. Yeah, same deal. Well, they've turned it into the green. Mm. Interesting one. That is an interesting one, Tim. Um, my my other thing this week is. Uh, Lost it. No, <laughs> I just realized it's kind of a negative other thing. Oh, no. Yeah. That's all right. You're allowed to be negative. It's been a big week. We're, we're both cooked toast. Just, they should make plane seats a little bigger. <laughs> it's too cramped. My knees jam into the seat in front. It's How not, uncomfortable was I'm it? not like, I'm not talking about width-wise. I'm not a big fatty that needs two seats. Oh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about strictly knee room in front. I'm a I'm a tall man, yes. No, it was uncomfortable but I'm not, for me too. Dude. I'm not I'm not gigantic. Nah. I'm I'm six foot. Something like six foot one maybe. It's pretty much average. Yeah. Almost. And and my like literally the person in front, like my knee my legs have to be spread. Yeah. I have to spread my legs. It's extremely uncomfortable. Um so mind you, it was bloody cheap. So cheap. 
So Not cheap. Pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm happy about that. But we, we ran the numbers. It was cheaper than driving. Cheaper than driving. To Melbourne. Cheaper than we driving. Flights to Melbourne from Newcastle. Hmm. And it was so cheap. But, all right. No, sorry. I do have my good other thing this week. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, that's the negative. Yeah. That's What's the negative. The negative. Uh, the pos- this is Jetstar, by the way. The positive, checking in on my phone the day before and then just walking onto that flight without any luggage. Oh, I love it. Set a backpack with some clothes. Love it. Walk straight on that flight. So good. It's and the best. You, you only need to get there like 20 minutes before now. That, so Yeah. Good. It's like a... Anyway. Oh, I love it. It was great. It was great. All right, that's that's about it for this week. We've gone long, hour we and have. five. Oh god! Uh, everyone should listen Talking to this elections. episode tonight. If you're not listening to it tonight, <laughs> then you it's might too regret. Late. You might regret your decision yeah. if you're listening to this on Sunday or Monday. And can everybody please donate some good quality money to your local school or scout hall and buy a sausage tomorrow? Ah, uh, sausage. Yeah, some of them sell cakes too. Cakes, soft drink, sausage. I'm sure some of them in, in the trendier places have vegetarian options, you know, a mush- grilled mushroom or something on a, on a sandwich. There's actually a voting center right, F- down, right down the street from me. And um, this is the busiest day of my street, like the busiest mm. day in the year yeah. for my street whenever there's voting. Yeah. We had the state election, obviously, about a month ago. Yeah. And it was just like jam-packed with cars all day, people walking up and down the street, dogs just going crazy, just barking. You taking Dora? That's a good question. Probably not. Because then you have to like walk Just around in. the corner. Yeah. I'll just walk over there. Yeah. Get the vote done. Nice. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Good luck voting. Thank you everybody for listening this week. Uh, send us an email at twodrunkpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us a tweet, twodrunkpodcast on Twitter, um, twodrunkaccountants on Facebook. I just remembered actually, mm. Jared, the destroyer of noobs, sent us uh, a question during the week. We haven't got to it this week, but Jared, we will answer your question next week. Yeah. We did get it. We did we get it. Reply. We saved it to talk about on the podcast, but we've run out of time. So, mm. extending this, Jared, um, we're going to destroy your question next week. <laughs> All right, great, mate. Great Twitter handle. Yeah. Choose, choose wisely with your votes this weekend, guys. Choose um, wisely. Unlike Dan. He's obviously going to go do a donkey vote. Tim, <laughs> Tim, I've never donkey voted in my life. <laughs> All right. I respect this institution of voting. You don't. You don't even vote for each senator. You're just a lefty bloody. <laughs> we actually scum. did the vote compass this week. So good. <laughs> I fell right in the middle. <laughs> Tim was right bang smack in between the two major parties. I was slightly left of Tim. I wasn't like I was. I was still in between the two parties, but yeah. I was slightly more left. And one of our friends was slightly more to the right. Yeah. And it was just funny to um. It was to, to see that. It was interesting. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week, and we'll catch you later. Catch you later.